Hello and welcome back to the Literary Salon podcast. It's me, Damien Barr, with another one of the books that we are most excited about. Now, excited in this context is an advisory. It's a parental advisory word. Um, the book that we're going to be talking about this week has already appeared on our Insta Live socials. I hope you saw the conversation between the gorgeous Uli Lennart from legendary bookshop Gaze the Word and columnist turned writer Zachary Zane. The book I'm talking about is Boy Slut. Oh yes, it's already been a huge, huge hit in America and it's doing really well here. It's starting to get a bit of word of mouth in the queer community and as we know, all coolness spreads from there. So Zachary is Brooklyn based. I discovered him on Instagram because he was sharing stories of his romantic and sexual adventures. He is the relationships columnist, sex and relationships columnist for Men's Health magazine and he really does go there, right? So if you are not ready for some serious hotness and some unashamed sex joy, then now is your chance to fast forward past this podcast. But I really hope that you don't because Zachary is funny, he is warm, he is kind, he is insightful. The conversation that he had with Uli about reclaiming that word slut um, and whether or not he felt he had the right to reclaim it as a man is just absolutely incredible. His writing, as I said, is really funny, you know, threesomes, moresomes, men, women, the whole shebang. And it's just it's just what we need, you know, it's dispelling toxic shame. Anyway, so the book is a memoir, it is a manifesto, and he really is, he's on a mission to dismantle the anxiety and shame that is so often associated with sex and desire. Of the book, he says, it's not about having a high body count, it's about having the sex you want with whomever you want, however you want, sans shame. And I do like the use of the French sans there. Um, so, I mean, and again, you know, we think we're done with all that, but we're not done with all that. There's still so much shame attached to our bodies and what we want to do with our bodies, particularly for queer people, people of colour, people with different abilities, people from different classes. So he is really breaking all of this down um, in this book. We're talking polyamory, we're talking orgies, we're talking anonymous encounters and how to lead a fulfilling sex life in a long-term relationship. The book also challenges toxic masculinity and really flies the flag for bisexual awareness. So, you know, when we think LGBT, so often the B is erased or rushed past. And actually, recent surveys tell us that more people are B rather than LG or T. So this is a, a much needed voice in a much needed space. Um, Dan Savage, who we love, the sex columnist and best-selling author, has said, reading about Zane's own sexual adventures, it's like getting invited to Sunday brunch by your wittiest, sluttiest, funniest friend and getting him to recount his crazy weekend. So there's that, but there is also a real heart in this book. Zachary is sharing stories from his childhood when his own desire was confusing and even worrying and scary. So I hope that this book finds the people that it needs to. Um, it's a book that we really need for the times that we live in and I hope that you enjoy Zachary reading from his memoir. Hello, I'm Zachary Zane, and I'm thrilled to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon from my new book, Boy Slut, 
a memoir and manifesto. I'm reading from the foreword and a little bit of the first chapter of the book, which I really think gives you a sense of what Boyslet is all about. At its core, Boyslet details how sexual shame negatively impacts all aspects of our lives. And through personal experience, I share how we can unlearn the harmful, entrenched messages that society imparts to us. I wrote this book because I haven't seen a book like this that tackles sex and relationship issues through a bisexual, polyamorous, and kink-positive lens. And you'll notice this book is quite raunchy, and that's on purpose. I want us to be able to openly talk about all aspects of sex. I want sex to be in your face. So with that said, here's me reading a little excerpt of Boyslet, A Memoir, and Manifesto. Just a heads up, I live next to a train because I live in New York City and I'm a rider here, so if you get a little bit of train in the background, I'm really sorry about that, but I feel like you're getting a true, authentic New York rider's experience. Forward. I've wanted to write this book for quite some time and for a simple reason. I'm not aware of a memoir or manifesto written by a bisexual man about how to overcome sexual shame. Frankly, I think it's about damn time. We are long overdue for more modern, queer, and sex-positive narratives. At the risk of sounding like an asshole, I'm exhausted by the same stories I keep reading. A little gay boy from the South or Midwest who grew up in a religious, homophobic family moves to a big city, finds his chosen family, and learns to embrace who he is. While these are important and moving stories, they are just a subsection of the larger queer experience. Being a greedy bisexual, I wanted more. I didn't grow up in a homophobic, sex-negative household. I grew up in a very liberal, queer-affirming household, and guess what? I was still overcome with sexual shame. I still struggled with being bisexual, polyamorous, and horny all the time. Sex negativity is pervasive, insidious, and touches us all, and not in a fun, kinky way. So, as a child and as an adult, I crave narratives that spoke to my experience as bisexual. Now, according to an impossibly large number of people, bisexuality doesn't exist in men. But it totally exists in women and is freaking hot, man. Being told from ex-lovers, my ex-psychiatrist, and ex-friends that a fundamental aspect of my identity wasn't real screwed me up big time. Honestly, I find it absurd when people don't think bisexuals exist, because we are consistently some of the loudest and most obnoxious people I know. All we do is make terrible puns while being unable to sit in chairs properly. At the same time, there are people who believe bisexuality is real along with a host of negative assumptions about bisexuals. We are incapable of being monogamous, we are greedy, we are in denial, we are whores who spread STIs like they're going out of style. A few of those may be true in my case, but don't prejudge me, asshole. While I've thought a lot about sex and shame through the lens of my own bisexuality, there's a broader point to make here. Most men do not have a healthy relationship with sex at all. Most women and non-binary babes don't either, but men, by and large, have been left out of the sex positivity movement, which is a huge disservice to everyone who ever plans on having sex or simply interacting with a man. 
While women have seen a shift away from antiquated messages about how to best please your man towards something akin to being strong and sexually empowered, there's little cultural conversation around shifting how men can better engage with and enact their sexuality. In my sex and relationship advice column at Men's Health, Sexplain It, I've tried to play a part in shifting this narrative. I've received countless emails from men across the globe who make it very clear. Men are continuously failing to navigate their sexuality, masculinity, and romantic relationships. No one wins here. Men are fucked. Women are fucked. Non-binary angels are fucked. We're all fucked. But hey, that's why I wrote this book. Over the past decade, I've been working on unfucking myself. While I'm far from perfect, I still make mistakes and hurt people despite my best efforts, I've been able to recognize and renounce many of the damaging messages society attempts to ingrain in us. I aim to treat my sexual partners and the people I reject with respect, which is somehow still not the norm. I've learned to embrace aspects of my femininity in a manner that doesn't negate my masculinity but complements it. I'm no longer consumed with what I'm supposed to do when it comes to relationships. I'm not bound by traditional heteronormative scripts. I embrace a range of ethically non-monogamous relationship styles. I've gotten over my sexual insecurities. I'm brazenly out as bisexual. And I don't have a bone in me that's sex negative. I'm sexually shameless, baby. And all these lessons I've learned, they're sorely needed in our society, arguably more than ever. How, exactly, have I continuously worked on unfucking myself? Through fucking everyone. I believe the sociological term for this is called being a slut. I've had sex with roughly 2,000 people. I've had sex with men, women, and non-binary folks. I've had sex with 21-year-old guys and grandmothers three times that age. I've had sex with people in and from dozens of countries. I've had sex with drug addicts, millionaires, and millionaire drug addicts. Free cocaine, yay! I've had orgies with over 100 people, anonymous sex and saunas, and have hooked up with my Lyft driver. I've paid for sex and also been paid for sex. I've domed, subbed, switched, fisted, DP'd, spit-roasted, tied up, and cuckolded. I've had nipple clamps so tight that my body went into shock and I couldn't feel my face. I've cried during sex and comforted others as they've cried. I've been pegged by a New York Times best-selling author, bred contestants from America's Next Top Model, boned countless queens from RuPaul's Drag Race, and fucked Emmy, Tony, and Grammy winners. I'm working on screwing an Oscar winner to achieve my sexual EGOT. Of course, I've also had tender sexual moments with people I've truly cared for, times when all the cliches about sex and love became reality. Having sex has been the best way for me to learn about sex. But I didn't learn just about sex. I also learned about all the things that sex influences. My sexuality, my manhood, and my relationships with lovers, partners, fuck buddies, friends, family, and, well, the world. Having sex helped me unpack the structural systems that idealize an unhealthy masculinity, promote queer phobia, and perpetuate sex negativity. I believe that if we can understand these systems, we can all unfuck ourselves. And that is what this book with an absolutely ridiculous, arguably offensive title is all about. Voicelet will help you understand the structural systems in place that cause us pain, 
sadness, anxiety, and anger. It will speak to why so many relationships fail and why a great number of people on this planet are unsatisfied with their sex lives. It will also offer ways to manifest a sex life free from these systems while addressing the challenges and having successfully rid yourself of these harmful ideologies. Because guess what? Life is still tough once you have your shit together. I realize that you may have no desire to sleep with a thousand people, or if you do, you might not have the time or the stamina. Being a slut is a full-time job, after all. The job qualifications include a knack for time management, impeccable communication skills, and an ability to orgasm multiple times a day. But have no fear if being a slut isn't in your past, present, or future. Boy slut is for my fellow sluts to revel in, but it's also for anyone seeking to examine their own sexuality and looking to improve and expand their relationships. Still, don't think of Boy Slut as a self-help book. Instead, think of it as a memoir and manifesto, a confessional call to arms. It's enlightened smut told by a slutty anti-hero whose goal in life is to get everyone happily laid, not just for the orgasms, but for bettering humanity. Chapter 1. Am I a sex-obsessed pervert? One of my first memories is imagining my childhood therapist naked. Mark was handsome, the pinnacle of daddy, late 30s, solid build, scruffy. He had a warm, friendly demeanor, more so than most therapists, perhaps because he worked with children. I suffered from severe obsessive-compulsive disorder, which was why my mom had sought Mark out. His office was cluttered with bright, colorful pictures of cartoon animals sporting supportive phrases like a penguin who beamed, You can do anything. For the last 20 minutes of each session, we always played a game together. At first it was Candyland, but by the time I left his practice, I was beating him at chess. He usually sat cross-legged, for which I was grateful. Uncrossing his legs meant I would immediately and involuntarily imagine his penis flanked by a big old pair of saggy balls. Trying not to imagine his loins only made things worse. Don't think of his balls. Now I'm thinking of his balls. Balls, shit, why am I doing this? What's wrong with me? Balls, I'm so messed up. Deep breath. Balls, now they're closer. I'm such a sicko. Balls, I'm disgusting. Balls, why can't I stop doing this? Balls, it's because I'm a bad person. Or, to put it more succinctly, balls, shame, balls, shame, balls, tears of shame. Up until this point, at 10 years old, I had only seen one pair of testicles other than my own, my father's. It was never on purpose, yet they always managed to peek out through his robe. To this day, three of my closest childhood friends have accidentally seen my father's testicles, and the verdict has always been the same. Holy fuck, dude! Those are like grapefruits! After more than a dozen sessions plagued by images of Mark's massive testicles and silver bush, I felt it was time to confess. Not only was the guilt too much for my prepubescent, grape-sized testicled soul to bear, I also was seeking absolution. That's what people with OCD do. You've probably heard that people with OCD repeatedly wash their hands, but some of us approach cleansing in other ways. We attempt to clean our minds of guilt-inducing thoughts, seeking out relief from guilt that's eating us away. We need to be told explicitly and frequently that what we're thinking is okay, and we're not a bad person for having these thoughts. 
I took a deep breath. I want to say something really bad, I said. That's okay. You can share anything you want here. There's never any judgment, he replied. But this is really bad, I clarified. I'm sure it's not as bad as you think. Okay, I said confident Mark was not understanding the full gravitas of the situation. After what felt like an internal pause, I began to stammer, I, I, I had to spit it out. I imagine people naked a lot. His face and demeanor didn't change. He sat there smiling, as if I hadn't dropped a bomb. Really, like any good therapist, he was just waiting for me to elaborate. Everyone, I continued. Not even people I like, just everyone. I can't stop it, even though I try. Finally, he spoke. It's okay, Zach. We all imagine people naked. That did not ease my guilt. I didn't care about what other so-called normal people did. I cared about me and my bad behavior. I mean everyone, I continued. Like old people, kids in school, everyone. I just can't stop. It was at that exact moment that Mark uncrossed his legs to reposition. Like you, I confessed. I'm imagining you naked right now. He laughed, both professional and unfazed reiterating how I was allowed to imagine anyone naked. Anyone included him. There was nothing wrong with that. But how do I stop? I asked on the cusp of tears. It's distracting. I can't concentrate on anything else. My gaze kept darting downward until I resigned myself to shutting my eyes. Focused as I was on futile attempts to keep him clothed, his response still landed. Thinking of people naked isn't bad. You'll only be able to stop thinking of people naked when you truly believe that. When that happens, your thoughts will pass just as quickly as they come. But when you think of something, in this case nudity, of being bad, the thoughts and images won't pass. You dwell on them. My eyes were closed, but I imagined him repositioning his hairy grapefruits. So I'm here to tell you, Zach, that there's nothing wrong with any of your thoughts surrounding nudity. There's nothing wrong with you. I'd only realize later this was Mark's attempt to teach me coping mechanisms for intrusive thoughts caused by OCD. Talking yourself down, while extremely difficult, is a way to work through intrusive thoughts. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, not to be confused with cock and ball torture, a common treatment for anxiety and OCD, is all about this. You attempt to reframe your thoughts while not getting overwhelmed by negative emotions. Eyes still closed, I nodded while taking a deep breath. When I opened them, Mark was fully dressed. Shoulders back, head held high, I left my shrink's office to where my mom was illegally parked. I felt as if I had accomplished something. I'd no longer see a world filled with naked, flesh-colored zombies whose sole purpose was to make me feel guilty. Even my little preteen self was enough to see this breakthrough as a momentous occasion. How'd it go? My mom asked as I chimed in. I looked at her, immediately imagined her naked, and said, fine. Fine. 
So yes, there is more than enough to be worried about in this world, including the fact that it's possibly about to end without adding sexual frustration and shame to the list. So I hope that you read Zachary's book and benefit from all his experience and his very kind and heartfelt advice. So a huge thank you to Zachary Zane for joining us on that Insta Live, which you can catch on our Instagram, um, and also for joining us here on the podcast and reading exclusively for the Literary Salon. I really hope that it gets over here in person so that we can meet. He is published by Abrams and Chronicle and his memoir manifesto, Boy Slut, is now available in all good bookshops. And you can get signed copies from the iconic shop, Gaze the Word, um, but do order them very quickly as supplies are limited. And as I said, check out that conversation with Uli and Zach on Instagram and share this podcast with your favourite allies and LGBTQ plus besties. Thank you for listening and join us again soon. 